Well, we've got a couple of questions. Uh, a lot of these actually were from two weeks ago, but the youth said, don't answer them yet because we're going to be away. So I'm pleased I did that because those who were not youth were just a bit slack last week. We only had like one question. So adults, we've got to pull our fingers out. Uh, but we've got plenty in the pipeline, so it's all good. And the questions we have this evening are, firstly, how can we repent of all our sins if we can't remember them all? Yeah. Well, the good thing is that when it comes to bringing our sins to God, we don't have to number them one by one. It's kind of like we, uh, uh, we just, just can say we've got a whole bunch of them and Lord, would you please forgive us? Um, we, we basically can say sorry to God and know that he will forgive all the ones we remember and all the ones we don't remember. And to be honest, for me, in my life, there's all these ways I sin and I don't even realise it. I'm just, because we live in a fallen world and we are people who, you know, we, we continue to sin even though God looks at us now as being his forgiven children. And so we, um, uh, it was once explained to me that when Jesus said to his disciples, I want to wash your feet, and the disciples, guy said, you're not going to wash me at all, Peter said. And he said, if I can't wash you, then you cannot be clean. He said, all right, yeah, well, wash all of me. He said, well, don't worry about that, mate. That's the Australian version. But he said, I, you are washed I need only wash your feet. You see, we are, we are washed when we are forgiven. But we do continue to get our feet dirty because we keep sinning in different ways and we can come to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. And he wipes us clean again and again. Isn't that great? Question two, is it bad for a Christian to want to date a non-Christian? Well, when it comes to marriage, the very best thing that a Christian can do is marry another Christian. If you're at the not marrying yet stage, right? Uh, the Bible speaks about life with an unbelieving spouse in 1 Corinthians 7. It talks about it being a problem and provides some clear teaching about what to do in that unfortunate situation. And so with that in mind, it seems that a wise and mature Christian would never actually want to start any relationship with an unbeliever if it meant that it might end up with them being married to someone who's not a believer. Now... I'm aware there are people in this church who are married to unbelievers. And uh, the Bible says, stick it out. Hang in there. It's, uh, in, in some respects, it would be so much, well, in every respect, it would be so much better if both of you were believers in Jesus. But if that's not the case yet, then stick it out. Um, but if you're in a position to make a choice about marrying someone, then the Bible says, why would you want to be marrying someone who doesn't share that same passion about Jesus as you have? And, and so we have the, the well-known verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that speaks broadly about being closely connected with someone who's not a believer. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Or other translations say, don't be yoked with an unbeliever. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And so if you've got a choice, don't do it. If you don't have a choice, then stick with it. Question three. How can we love our neighbour if we don't love ourselves? I'll never forget what my year nine maths teacher taught me. Uh, uh, I'll certainly forget the stuff he taught me to do with maths, but uh, he was a believer in a, in a school that was a, a private school, a church school, where the teachers could talk about Jesus if they wanted to, but a lot of the teachers were not Christian and a lot of the students were not Christian. And this maths teacher, Sean Young, he had this special connection with us. It was really authentic. And he said, when you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth and you look at yourself in the mirror, 
Say to yourself, I know I am loved because God loves me. It's a very powerful thing, and I still remember it. You know, teaching as a profession, you know, it can be earth-shaking. But he told me this, and I remember that. And so it was a, it's a truth, isn't it? God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. So we can never say we're not loved, because God loves us. But the point is that even if you find it really hard to believe that God loves you, it is a truth. And as you experience the joy of, of knowing that love of God, it should empower you to be able to love others. And even if you don't feel it, then God says, love others. Because as we do that, we get the blessing of experiencing that and the blessing of obeying God in that. Question four. Can people predict the return of Jesus? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, in, in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. You see... Uh, that there are all sorts of horrible things happening in the world right now, and we see them. We see the wars, we see famine, we see natural disaster, we see human action, and you say, we're living in the end times. But we're, in a sense, been living in the end times for a long time. I mean, if we look up here on the wall here, the role of honour, and you see these pluses next to the people who gave their life for their country, people who live here just in Jamboree, that there would be that many people. Imagine what it must have been like a hundred years ago in the Great War and thinking this has got to be the end of the world. That was, it wasn't. And more things happen like this. But every time we turn on the TV or Facebook or whatever and we see the messy world we're in, we need to realise that Jesus may return any time. But we're not totally sure exactly when. We just need to be ready for it and know that the time is coming soon. Question five. If someone believes in Christianity as well as another religion... Will they go to heaven? I, I, I think it's a very good question. Jesus said famously in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So what that means is that if somebody is not a follower of Jesus, then Jesus says, you can't get to God. Now some people will say, what would Jesus know? He's just one of many ways. Well, if you believe what Jesus said, he said, it's only through him that a person can be saved. But the thing is that it's actually very difficult to really follow more than one religion at a time. Some people say, oh, look, I follow all of them. They're all sort of equally true. It's actually hard to believe that when you look closely at it. So the Jews believe there is only one God. Christians believe there is one God, three persons. Uh, you get Hinduism and there's millions of gods. You say, which one is right? Because you can't say one, one and three, millions, and others say there's not really gods, we are gods, and all that sort of... You can't... You put them all together, you see they're not compatible with each other. Ultimately, if someone believes in another god as well as Jesus as God, then what they're saying is Jesus is actually not enough. I'm going to do a bit of this and a bit of that. And Jesus says it's only if you throw yourself fully at him that you will be saved. So the answer to the question is... If someone believes in their heart other religions as well as Jesus, then really they're not fully following Jesus and are not saved. Question six. Did Jesus go to hell in the time between his death and resurrection? Well, the creed says he descended into hell. So that's a yes. When you dig in a little bit deeper, you see that the word hell uh, means the place of the dead. So he fully, fully died. And he went where 
everybody goes after death, and that is to this place called Hades, where whether you're righteous or unrighteous, you are there and you are waiting for the final judgment. If you really, if you look at the, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, you see that they are in the place of the dead. There's the poor man who's there with, with Abraham, and he's in bliss. And then you've got the guy who had um, rejected God, and he is in a place of horror. All of that is where, the, where they are waiting, having died. And so this is where Jesus went. He went to that place. So we can say he fully died, and he fully went to the place of the dead. And, uh, but it showed that he truly died, having taken upon himself the anger of God, so that we might not take upon the anger of God ourselves. Question seven, would the, writer of the, would the Bible writer have gone to hell if he made a mistake about Judas's destiny? I don't think so. I don't think there's a special thing that happens to Bible writers if they make a mistake that they get sent to hell. Um, the bottom line is that the Bible is God's word. We can trust it as God's word, even though it's got human fingerprints all over it. It's, I've mentioned this before, but the Bible is a little bit like Jesus. Jesus is fully God and fully man. The Bible is fully God's word and fully man's word. So we are hearing the history of the church through the writing of Luke in the book of Acts. But at the same time, it's also fully God's word. And finally, question eight, does Acts chapter four, verse 19, show us how to respond to rulers who tell us to act contrary to God's ways? Uh, basically, this bit says, we're not gonna follow God, we're, gonna, we're not gonna follow you, we're gonna follow God, right? Um, yes, it, it does give us instruction in that, and we're gonna see a similar thing said today as we get to the Bible passage. At the bottom line is that if someone tells you, you're not allowed to follow Jesus, and if you do it, I'll throw you in prison, then you need to disobey them. And if that person who's telling you that happens to be a police officer or a judge or a politician, then say to them, look, what, you want me to follow you instead of God? You've got to be joking. I'm not going to do that, sorry. And so that kind of civil disobedience is warranted in the scriptures, I think, in this particular place and in others as well. Awesome questions. Looking forward to answering some more next week as you ask me lots and lots as follow-up questions from all of that.